0: This is the show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve him and their neighbor for whom the words of the creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is the show for those like you and me who make the conscious choice to follow Christ outside the walls. So let's do a little exercise together this morning. Uh, It's free word association. I'm going to say a word here in just a moment. And I want you to let me know what's the first word that pops into your head when I say that. Uh, So I'm going to say this word in just a moment, and I want you to go over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And I want you to let me know what's the word that pops into your head when I say the word I'm about to say, right? Uh, we're going to have a little bit of interaction here. It's hard to do on the radio, but it's easy to do on social media. So let's have that conversation. The word that we're responding to, free word association, first word that pops into your head, come let me know on socials. The word is prayer. When I say prayer, what pops into your mind? It's going to be different for everyone. Um, and, and I'm really curious to get a, a nice wide sampling to see what is it that pops into your head when I say prayer. I'm going to cheat a little bit here because I'm going to tell you the first word that pops into my mind when I think of prayer. And that's the word formation. When I say prayer, I think of the word formation. And I have this picture in my head of the the potter and the clay and the Potter throwing that clay down on the wheel and spinning it and beginning to form that clay into uh, something beautiful or something useful, uh, whatever his desire is, whatever his purpose is, and then to put it in the fire and to glaze it and to harden it so that then it becomes something uh, that will last. This is what I think of when I think of prayer, Uh, and the reason for that is this. Uh, I've said this before on the show. It's been a while, though. Prayer uh, is efficacious. Prayer changes things. It changes situations, but it also changes us. So there's that story of uh, praying for an end to hunger. And the Lord, while we pray for that, forms our hearts to be an answer to that prayer. The Lord, through our prayers, makes us more and more into the image of His Son. He draws us closer to Him through these prayers, uh, not only for the deepening of our relationship, but for the purification and the sanctification of our souls. So this is what I think of when I think of prayer. There's this phrase that you you no doubt have heard. uh, Lex Orandi, Lex Credendi, Lex Vivendi. This means the law of prayer is the law of belief is the law of life. This is to say, when we pray, it shapes how we believe. It forms, back to that word formation, it forms how we believe. And what we believe forms how we live, or as we say each week on the show, the implications of our belief on our daily lives— What we pray forms how we believe, forms how we live. And prayer is the center of the life of a disciple. We who are following Jesus Christ outside the walls, uh, we have to realize that that involves prayer. It's not merely action. Sometimes we want to do the work that, that God has set before us. And we want to do these good works, and we want to care for the poor, and we want to see human dignity, and we want to fight for the oppressed. And all of these things are good, but if they're not founded first in prayer and saturated by the the grace of God, then it becomes deformed. Uh, one of the things that I, I did in college, one of those classes that you take uh, just to get an extra grade or an extra credit, I took pottery uh, and I remember getting up uh, early in the morning and it was cold because this building was just, it was just drafty and stone and damp and cold. And I get there and I get the clay and it's, it's cold. And you're sitting at this table, just kind of bundled up shivering, but you can't shiver because you have to keep your hands still to, per, to, to, to form the pottery. And, and it was, it was an exercise and it was a, an exercise in patience and control and one of the things that I noticed there is if you try to, uh, to what, they, what they call throwing a pot, if you try to form that clay without the appropriate moisture, uh, then your fingers are going to catch on it, it's going to twist all up, and it's going to be useless. So to our action, if we go out and try to do the good work that God has called us to as the children of God— And we don't saturate that work first in prayer, then it twists all out of proportion. We lose all perspective, and the work is ruined, or at the very least, damaged. So when I think of prayer, I think of formation, that free word association. Uh, One, because we are formed by the things that we pray. And our actions are given structure and infused with the power of God, when they are grounded in prayer. If we're following Christ, then we have to realize that whenever he performed a miracle, he first went away to a lonely place to pray. If the Son of God, the Word incarnate, who is one with the Father and of one substance with the Father, consubstantial, if he had to pray to connect with God the Father, how much more? you and I. And so we follow the example of Christ. We follow him outside the walls and we follow him into prayer as well as into service and action. And so if prayer is central to the life of a missionary disciple, it only makes sense that periodically we take a look at it. We, we examine ourselves and our prayer life and see if it's where it needs to be. Or if we're being invited into a new reality of prayer. Uh, Maybe you've got a prayer life that you're comfortable with. You've got a rhythm that works for you. Maybe you don't. Wherever you are, you are invited by the Holy Spirit to enter more deeply into this union of prayer with God. And so whenever I have the opportunity to to interview someone on the topic of prayer, I jump at the chance because here's the truth of the matter— I'm always going to learn something new about prayer. This is not one of those topics you can just study and figure everything out. So I love the topic of prayer, and even more so when the book comes from one of my favorite people— Uh, So today we're going to have a conversation with Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo. He works at the University of Notre Dame where he teaches theology and works at the McGrath Institute for Church Life. You can find him at leonardjdelorenzo.com or at mcgrath.nd.edu. I love having you on the show. We had you on the show recently uh, when y'all at Notre Dame did this wonderful class called Praying with the Saints, Um, Now, here's this book. Uh, The book is called Into the Heart of the Father, Learning from and Giving Yourself Through Christ in Prayer. It's available on Word Among Us Press. And Dr. DeLorenzo, there are tons of books out there on prayer. So what was it that was kind of burning in your heart, dying to get out, that you were able to express through this book?
1: I think mainly for me it was really capturing the essence of prayer, what's at the heart of Christian prayer, which is that we do not pray on our own, and all prayer as Christians is a participation in the prayer of Christ. So I think a lot of times we can get focused on trying to find the right techniques for prayer, kind of hints and uh, kind of uh, best practices and things like that. But the heart of prayer for a Christian is to allow Christ to join himself to us in our sufferings, in our joys, in our current condition, to have the humility and the courage to join Christ in his address to his Father, and then to just actually do it, right? To have the confidence to do it. So I think right near the the beginning of the book, I say something like that, that the the boundaries of Christian prayer are the boundaries of Christ, um, which means that, the conditions from which we can pray are boundless because Christ takes on our full and complete human condition. But that's the thing that's often missing, I think, is that we are joining Christ, who is the Son of the Father, when we pray as Christians. So the book is constructed in that way, that it offers, or I've tried to offer, uh, sustained but hopefully accessible meditation on the person of Christ, how he enters into our condition and our words, and then how he rises back to the Father. And that's the pathway our prayers go. And then to heed his lessons in prayer as given to us specifically in the Gospels, and then to take up the courage to pray ourselves.
0: Sometimes all we can manage is just that that one phrase, uh, maybe we're, we're in the middle of something overwhelming and we just say, oh, Jesus help me. Right. Uh (laughs) And and that, and that's a moment of, of pure prayer. Um, but at the same time, as as you talk about this, the boundaries of prayers are the boundaries of Christ's love. Um, that means not only can we pray from that place and from any place, but Mm -hmm. it means that wherever we find ourselves in our prayer life, wherever we have come to uh, whatever depth we've found there is a, a a further boundary we can press on toward right mm-hmm. not, not only does does christ's uh love reach to us in our desperation but it also takes us deeper than we could ever ever get to on our own or 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 even through uh, some kind of of contemplation or meditation through our own strength when we unite ourselves to the the love of Christ and the love that he has for his father that just it radically expands our the, the territory into which we can pray.
1: Yeah. You know, in thinking about that, has anyone ever been in a worse situation than the younger son in the parable of the prodigal son? Mm-hmm. Right. He's out there in the distant country, the far country, which in biblical speak means as far away from home as possible. This is the forsaken land. He has lost all of his inheritance. He's living in a life of dissipation. He wishes he could eat of the slop, that the pigs themselves are enjoying. He's joined himself to some other master, mm-hmm. and he has nothing except for one thing, which he has forgotten but reclaims. The only thing he retains is that he is his father's son. And so there's this beautiful line when he really hits rock bottom. He said, let me arise and go to my father. Mm-hmm. Now, for us as Christians, no matter how far gone to what distance, that is always still the possibility. Let me address this to my father. And to your point, T.L., it isn't just a message that's given to us. It isn't just a recommendation. Christ himself has gone further than the younger son in the prodigal son parable. He's been past the forsaken country. And from that place, every place of forsakenness, he has said, Dear Father, yeah. so whenever we turn and address whatever is going on with us to the Father, we are doing it in the company of Christ, and that makes all the difference. It may not change anything in the immediate uh, circumstances that we see, but to refer or address both our joys and our lamentations, our confusion when we're at loss for anything, and all we can say is, please help me, Mm -hmm. have mercy on me. Uh, Psalm fifty-one. Uh, that itself is a participation in the life of Christ.
0: Well, and and it, this idea um, mm-hmm. gives new understanding, and new embodiment to this idea that we are praying in the name of Jesus Christ. Right? If you ask anything in my name, that yeah. that now that's no longer just kind of like a stamp of approval at the end of it, but it's an <laughs> you know oh here's right. all the here's all these things I want. Uh yeah. I'm going to get the rubber stamp in Jesus' name. And now it's actually an invitation to to pray in his name and in his person and to enter yeah. into that same prayer.
1: Yeah, I mean, from the Christological hymn in Philippians 2, uh, at the end of that, the, the hymn that begins, have this in mind among yourself, that Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not deem equality with God something to be grasped, on and on. The second part of that hymn uh, exalts the name of Jesus, which is above the highest things and has descended below the lowest things. Mm-hmm. So that name is the power of God's presence, but it's also our permission and our invitation, our charge to take on that name as our own name, as Christians, as ones who are hidden in or protected in Christ, and to allow that name to deliver us to the Father, into the heart of the Father. That's where the the uh, title of this book comes from. Christ The Son comes from the heart of the Father and brings all things back into the heart of the Father. And the drama of Christian life is nothing less than that. But it's it's not just some fantasy. It's the real stuff of our lives, right? Addressing it to the Father changes everything. And it's the name of Christ, the power, the presence, the I am of Christ that doesn't just make that possible, but makes it potent and powerful.
0: Mm-hmm. If we go back to this last week in in mass, we had the readings um, <clears throat> that the father prunes whatever branches yeah. uh, so that they bear more fruit. Right. That And yeah. so they're, therefore remain, I'm the vine, you're the branches remain in me that you may bear much fruit. <clears throat> and, and to look at this in the terms of prayer, you know, not only d- does all of our life and all of our, uh, Ability to to breathe, um, come from God the Father as He keeps us in His mind, but also all of our prayer comes from Jesus Christ in that mm-hmm. relationship that He has with the Father. And so, uh, as we, you know, I, I've all, always taken that remain in me to be more of, oh well, I should pray so that the rest of my day goes well, but that, pr- <laughs> but that prayer still yeah. is is an effort of mine, right yeah. and so yeah. here this idea of no remain in me even in the middle of that prayer, join into my prayer uh is a little bit freeing because mm-hmm. now it's not something that I've got to say all the right words,
1: yeah
0: um because christ is already Christ is that single utterance of the Father, he's already is the
1: word, he's already said yeah. the words he said them and yet it matters that we say them too because. Our salvation, our redemption is not just something done for us, though He is the one who achieves it, mm-hmm. it's done with us, right? right? That we become freed to become the children of God. You know, on this, this, uh, it's not just the idea of pruning, but the necessity of pruning that uh, you're referencing from the readings from Mass recently, you know, I think we've lost our imagination about the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, mm-hmm. But the saints and the great doctors of the church never lost their imaginations about the Lord's Prayer. They constantly reflected on, contemplated, and even wrote commentaries on the Lord's Prayer to meditate with it and delve more deeply into that prayer as the central prayer of the Christian life. And I wonder if we committed ourselves to more fully and sort of soulfully praying the Our Father, if we would find that in the midst of that prayer, we ourselves are being pruned, that Jesus gives us in that one prayer, these, depending on the count, of seven petitions or five petitions, that not only tell us what we are to pray for, but give the things to us in the right order. This is the, the, right, the, the proper ordering of a life for a Christian, to put this thing first, this thing to follow, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We ask for all things in the Lord's Prayer, but it matters that we ask for them in the right order, that our hearts are properly ordered. And that is, I think, reforming us to become ones who can really call God Father. In other words, we're being made into God's children, sons and daughters, precisely as we pray that prayer. That prayer is or not just, work, it's efficacious, it's doing work to us. So I don't know, I think that's that's kind of a an amazing thing to ponder more deeply is the Pa- the pruning power. Let's put it that way. The pruning power of the Lord's prayer. Um, and I spent a bit, a bit of time in the middle of this book with the Lord's prayer, uh, probably, I don't know, 15 or 20 pages. There's much more to write, of course, but I think very much on this point um, to kind of reform us to become the people that God calls us to be.
0: As you're talking about um, our imagination with this prayer, uh you go to mass. You're praying the rosary, and you just kind of the, the words just kind of go by. And mm. and of course, the point of the the rosary is is not that specific prayer. It's the meditation behind it. But but I think that we can create that habit uh, at mass or during the rosary of just kind of rattling off the Lord's prayer as if it's kind of a a list or or um, mm. a, a thing that we have to do to get to the next thing. Right? Okay, check off. I've done that. Now I can get to the Hail Marys and, and the and the other part. <laughs> um and and it that there's a a monotony even to our tone and mm. and sometimes that ekes its way into our connection to that prayer yeah and now uh, by um by contrast you you turn for me, you turn on the the classic rock radio station and and your tune comes on right yeah, and we invest our heart and our soul and our emotion into participating. With this other song, uh, identifying with it maybe uh, in, in the middle of, of heartache, we, we put on that that song and we yeah. feel deeply with it. We connect yeah. deeply with these words that someone else wrote. They're not our words and yet we find ourselves um, subsumed into them. Yeah. And so how how do we move from um, from stairway to heaven? Into the stairway to heaven, yeah. right? Nice, uh, and <laughs> and and pull ourselves away from just this rote thing, and really begin to understand the Lord's prayer and enter mm-hmm. into it in a way that actually um, has that effect and prunes us, and and where we give our, give God permission to use that prayer uh, to refine us.
1: No, I love that example of kind of tuning into the classic rock station. I think you're you're touching on the fact that all of us or most of us walk around with kind of soundtracks in our minds, right? Mm -hmm. Like these, these songs that we've known so well and that we return to, like they play in our minds even when we're not listening to them. And in some ways we can, we might, you know, sort of like read our day according to different lyrics or, you know, for people, for those of us who watch a lot of films, like we find ourselves just putting out movie quotes in response to things. It's kind of like a way of interpretation. I, myself, I really love probably too much. I have to kind of break from it. Like, high-intensity dramas like Homeland and Breaking Bad and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. But I can just kind of allow the, those narratives just get stuck in my head and I'm kind of subconsciously thinking through them throughout the day. Um, and they have a formative effect. So in response to your question, how do we allow, let's say, the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, to have that same kind of effect on us? I think it, it doesn't, you know, prayer doesn't primarily have to do with our intention, and yet, at the same time, to allow our imaginations to be engaged is what leaves that residue, that mark, where we might have, let's say, a line from the Lord's Prayer kind of going through our mind without us even really thinking about it throughout the day or verses from Psalms, let's say. And I think, you know, a saint like St. Ignatius of got this, totally got this and has formed generations upon generations to do this. Give over your imagination to the mysteries of the life of Christ. Actually, spend time with them 30 45 minutes a day. Uh, get allow yourself to get stuck on a verse from scripture, commit it to memory, imagine yourself there, enliven your senses. That's the kind of work we do, and I think what we're doing then is we're allowing the word of God to penetrate us to find. His way into our hearts and minds and into our imaginations. And it changes who we are and how we are on a day-to-day basis. It's not magic, it's still work, right? Mm-hmm. You have to work to allow your imagination to be engaged. But I think that has a similar type effect to what you're pointing out about, you know, the classic rock song, or you know, what I'm saying about being engaged in high-intensity television dramas. Yeah. They leave a residue, right? Like it just starts to form our minds and gives us words to speak when we don't even have to think about what words we want. They're just there.
0: Uh, As you're talking about imagining into the Lord's Prayer, I think probably one of the most profound experiences I ever had, and and probably the first profound experience I had with the Lord's Prayer, uh, came as a a penance. And so Mm -hmm. I I went to confession, and, you know, typically Father will say, oh, here, go pray 10 Our Fathers, Right. Uh, And then you go out and you do that penance. Well, this father said to me, "Um, okay, I want you to pray 10 Our Fathers for a specific person who is going through a period of unemployment right now Mm. and um, just left it there. And so now I'm praying the Our Father towards something, right? It's not just, oh, Our Father. It's like every time I prayed it in each of those 10 things, a different phrase— a different petition popped hmm. to the surface and allowed me to focus my prayer for that person through this prayer that Christ gave us.
1: Yeah. I love, I think the, that's the mark of a genuine Christian spirituality. So to go back to Philippians 2, right? It says that he took on the form of a servant, becoming human in his likeness. In other words, the Son of God, the eternal son of God, the only begotten Son of God, took on our appearance and our condition. And that we as Christians who follow him and who enter into him, we start to resemble him when we allow our hearts to make room and space for people who aren't ourselves, whose conditions are not our own. And we pray for them as if. That's what mattered most to me. I think this is one of the most beautiful things about St. Paul. And hope Francis points this out I think it's at the end of Evangelii Gaudium, he zooms in on the heart of St. Paul. And he says, this is the heart of an evangelizer. There are faces and names. His heart has come to resemble the people he prays for. And he brings up that opening of Paul's letter where he says, um, I, oh, I'm going to, I'm paraphrasing now and I'm forgetting it. Um, I pray to our Lord in every good remembrance of you, praying for your well-being, from the first time we shared in the gospel to now, right? These are the same people that he persecuted, spend all his time and energy persecuted. But now through this, I really think we ought to think the hard work of considering these lowly Christians' needs and concerns. His own heart has become open to their faces and names. That he counts as what's good for him, what is good for them, and so you know, to what, what you're bringing up, TL, this this intentional small practice of praying for someone who's in a condition that's not my own but who's in need. I think the psalms lead us to that. Sometimes I'm not the one who needs to pray. Darkness is my only companion. Sometimes okay. it might be true, but if you pray the liturgy, of the hours, and Every, you know, for Friday nights, you come to that prayer, darkness is my only companion. For someone that night, darkness is their only companion. Mm -hmm. Now you've joined in their condition through this prayer. That is the mark of a Christian spirituality, I think, to make us to act as if and to work as if we were all members of one body.
0: We're talking today with Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo, who works at the University of Notre Dame teaching theology and working at the McGrath Institute for Church Life. Learn more at McGrath.nd.edu. The book is Into the Heart of the Father, Learning From and Giving Yourself Through Christ in Prayer, available on Word Among Us Press. We have a link to that over on our social media, facebook.com the Walls. On Twitter the handle's at Outside the Walls, and there is so much more to this conversation just on the other side of this break. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief in our daily life. I'm your host, T.L.
1: We're talking today
0: about prayer and deepening our prayer life. We're talking with Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo. He uh, works at the University of Notre Dame, where he teaches theology and works at the McGrath Institute for Church Life. Listen, the McGrath Institute does so much good for the church. Uh, find yourself over there. Go and look. They've got programs for uh, for high schoolers. They've got programs that help in your parish. Uh, recently, they did a, a course on praying with the saints that was fantastic. Uh, they do these things from time to time. You can also find a whole bunch of stuff on YouTube uh, with with many of their teachers doing um, lectures or doing the uh, the. Uh, the Saturdays with the Saints, some wonderful things that are there and available to you. I first encountered them way back when, when I was working for the Diocese of Tulsa. They did a symposium on, um, on pastoral issues in science and human dignity. And that was just a, a fantastic uh, series of lectures. And those are also all available on YouTube. Um, the work that they do is vital for the church. And if you've not taken the time to go and look at it, you should go look at it right now. While you're listening, uh, Dr. DeLorenzo, thanks for being with us today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: The book is Into the Heart of the Father Learning from and Giving Yourself Through Christ in Prayer. And it's this invitation to take all of the times that we pray and all of the prayer that we do and to realize and to begin to practice the fact that that prayer is actually a participation in the relationship of Christ to his Father. Uh, I do wonder if this idea of being part of that prayer and entering into the prayer of Christ is in some way um, a fulfillment of that promise from John that we would be partakers in the divine life.
1: I think so. I mean, the very first line of the catechism breaks this open, which is that, and now I'm paraphrasing again because I don't have all this stuff totally memorized, but God in a plan of sheer goodness deigned to give his life to us. Mm-hmm. It isn't to deliver a message. It isn't to make us better versions of ourselves or the best possible version of ourselves. The plan of salvation from the beginning of time is for God to give his life to us, that we become, like you're saying, partakers, sharers in his life. That says something utterly significant about God. The <laughs> That's that's the heart of mystery. But it also says something significant about us, that we are created with the capacity to receive God's grace and to allow ourselves to become sharers in that goodness, that unfathomable goodness. But that's going to change everything about us, right? It begins in baptism when we breathe out the old way, the way of uh, Satan, the way of lies and deception and selfishness and isolation. And then we're immersed in, we breathe in the life of God. He's starting to make his life our life and it's to work in us. But we said this, I think in the first segment in some way that that's not something that's just done for us. Mm -hmm. Like it's meant to be done with us. That's part of our salvation that we actually heal and um, strengthen one another. That's the good that we're destined for in the communion of saints. So, this work of prayer, I think we can often think about it as just kind of a, a maintenance, like we're just trying to hold things together. <laughs> but there's a real project. That's probably not the right word, but there's really something we're building. We're being built up into the living stones of God's kingdom. And so every prayer is, you, maybe this isn't the right way to put it, but every prayer is accomplishing something. Mm-hmm. Every time we pray, we're taking a step forward into being who God deigns for us to be. And I think that's a radical change in the way in which we think about prayer, that something is being worked out. We are being slowly changed, even if we feel like we're terrible at prayer and we just we just show up again. That showing up again is an act of trust. Um, the, sorry, I'm going on a little bit, but this Please. is just kind of going on in my head. The poet Charles Piggy in his just magnificent poem, The Portal of the Mystery of Hope, he gives this image of uh, the journey in hope. And he actually talks about something like this, that for the one who just tries and fails and tries and fails and tries and fails again and again, but continues to hope in his prayer or her prayer to kind of make his way to God again, but then falls back. We think about that as having gone nowhere, right? Like I went 10 yards in prayer and then I fell back. I'm back to zero. And I went 10 yards and I fell back to zero. I went five yards and I fell back to zero. But Peggy says every one of those, the first 10 yards, the second 10 yards, the next five yards, as God sees them, they're actually linear. They're they're one after another. So instead of ending up back at zero, you've actually gone 25 yards. He doesn't use exactly that language. It's a little bit of football language. Put into Charles Peggy. Well, you are at Notre that's Dame. A radical change, right? Like we're going somewhere. That really,
0: I think, helps me because mm. I, I tend to be that kind of prayer that's like, oh, I have something to pray about, and yep. and so now I need to pray. Um, yeah. And and I've done, I've I've attempted a couple of different times to say, okay, I'm going to pray the liturgy of the hours like every day now because you know <laughs> it's, and I get you know maybe a, a month in where I do uh morning prayer and compliment and then it's just kind of life overtakes. Yeah, A- And so that, that idea of, um, of building something that if you, if you want to see good progress on it, you actually have to continue um, <laughs> doing the work and, and not just saying, Oh, I have this, I have this need. I'm going to pray for this need. I have this friend that has this need. I'm going to pray yeah. for that. That's good. And that's important. But there is something about the habit of prayer Mm-hmm. um, that, that I think is part of that building ourselves into the house of God as living stones. So yeah. the question that I have is for someone like me who doesn't always succeed, uh, wonderfully at the, at the routine of prayer, what would you suggest? How do you, how would you start that routine?
1: I, I'm a big believer in the very small things. Um, I think the small things done repeatedly, are greater than the magnificently large things done sporadically mm-hmm. So I think that 6 a.m. or 8 a.m. depending on how you want to put it let's say 8 a.m <laughs> is greater than Tuesday right And Tuesday is greater than June and what I mean is to do to commit to something regularly and stick to it complete it is actually the way to the slow way to transformation. That each time we do that, we practice entrusting ourselves to our Father. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I love the, I love the, um, you know, taking on the the commitment of praying the liturgy, the hours every day. Some for many of us, that's that's a big thing, mm-hmm. right? Like just just to start out with. So, can it start with the firm commitment to do maybe one of those hours every day at a certain time, and? come hell or high water, I will do that. Even if I don't feel it, even, you know, some days it's a little rushed. I love the uh, the use of timers rather than looking at it. I think the clock is like the mass, the biggest uh, distraction in the world. Just set a timer. I'm going to give 15 minutes and I'm not going to check the clock. I'm just going to pray this. And if I don't complete the prayer and the 15 minutes is up and I got to go, I'm done. Right. But I think that, it's a very human thing. It kind of builds up our habits. So I'm a big believer in, in that kind of stuff. Um, and I think taking the small, the small practices and sticking to them, and then also allow the practices to change. Like maybe I can't make a commitment every day for the rest of my life, but how about every day for the next month? And then after a month I reassess and I make a new commitment every day for this next month, that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: One of the things that, that, I think helps transform that is this realization that the prayer is not a task, right? The prayer, the prayer is a participation and we're being invited into that relational thing. So when, with the liturgy of the hours or with the rosary or with something else, we can see it as, as a checklist, right? That here's my rosary and I've got these 53 beads that I've got to get through, (laughs) right? Check, 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 check. Uh, here's the liturgy of the hours. I've got these, uh, I've got these four Psalms and a reading I've got to get through. And, and here's the pace that I've got to take it at so that I can feel something. Um, This is also not the way to establish a habit because the habit comes not in the words we speak, but in the connection that we make.
1: Well, and I think, you know, to, to continue that point that the connection is kind of filled out by the words and the words have to be, Um, kind of guided by the growing trust. I mean, we know this from all of our relationships, right? We can say all the right sort of things to our loved ones, our parents, our siblings, our spouses, our kids, but we haven't said them in the right way. We haven't given the right time to listen to them. And so, you know, if somebody were to read a transcript of the the interaction, it might sound like, gosh, he said all the right things and this ended up disastrously. (laughs) Well, he approached it the wrong way. I mean, I've learned that as a father, especially with my my oldest, my older kids who are both now teenagers, um, some of the most important, one of the most important things for me is just to kind of be around at their on times and their on times are not my on times, right? They prefer like the evening and I don't. But um, if I, you know, try to attack that time, like I got to get through all the important conversations with the kids and I got to die it's going at my pace and it's just not going to work. Like it's got to mm-hmm. be within the context of like you're saying the connection, like I have to just invest the time and we might not get to all the things I think we should talk about. Right. Um, but just kind of regularly showing up, let it, you know, building up the habit of being available to them at that time. I think there's an analogy here to the life of prayer, just kind of showing up being available, um, praying the words and the prayers um, regularly but not being so consumed with the worry of getting through all of the words all of the time. Cause it's like, we're making God into somebody that has to abide by our schedule, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, I need you to listen to these words. I need to pray because I got to get through this prayer. God. Okay. Well, even, uh, that, even, beyond, yeah,
0: even beyond that uh, yeah. more than uh, God, I need you to listen to all these words we imagine that God is saying the same thing to us, right? Oh, come here. I need you to say all these words. I need you to get through this. Um, and if there's, if there's anything that I have the, the remotest idea about in regard to God is that, um, he is unchanging and in that unchangingness, he loves distraction, Mm. right? Um, he he loves not so much when we are distracted, but he loves to distract us from our plans with mm. his plans. Right, I, I'm I'm going to come and I'm going to pray for this thing, and and I'm going to do it, and then somebody knocks at the door needing something. Mm. Uh, and there, I I forget who says it, but um, there is uh, either a, a monk or a monastic order that says when you leave your prayer to serve your neighbor at the door. You've left God for God.
1: Yeah. Sounds like Benedict, but I don't know if it is. Yeah.
0: But yeah. Yeah. Just this sense of the ways that, that God receives our prayers. Mm -hmm. They're not always the verbalized prayers. Sometimes it's the sitting in silence uh, Mm -hmm. and not saying anything. Um, Mm -hmm. you had that recently, uh, that, that path of, of contemplation, um, on the uh, on the praying with the saints that y'all did at the University of Notre Dame, and I found that to be one Teresa. of one of the yeah. most impactful ways yeah. to pray, um, yeah. that didn't involve any words that I had to check off.
1: Yeah, and I think for Teresa, you know, so that that had to do with Teresa of Avila and the prayer of recollection, entering uh, into contemplation with the Lord. Where she's, you know, in the interior castle, principally, she's teaching her sisters how to pray. And her sisters are just like the rest of us. Like Mm -hmm. they want to love God sort of, but they got a lot of other things going on and they're easily distracted and all these things. And her way of prayer is to practice basically availability. If we're to choose a word that's maybe, maybe it doesn't do enough, but to practice being available, to actually work on removing ourselves from the distractions that cause our anxiety that we're preoccupied with, like being split in a million different places at any time. Like I'm here, but my mind is elsewhere. My heart is elsewhere. My attention is elsewhere. She's leading her sisters in the prayer of recollection and contemplation to just be here. But then I love your point about like allowing God to distract us. Like in some ways, when we do that, we don't control the agenda. Right. God, We think we're coming to pray about this thing, and God speaks to us this other word that uh, kind of takes over our imagination, and we just trust him to lead us. The Holy Spirit is the guide in that sense. So it's a very difficult thing, and I think this takes a lot of discernment and probably spiritual direction, to become more attentive to when we are inserting thoughts and distractions and when God is giving us, like you're saying, these distractions or these Invitations, these nudges to contemplate this or to go towards that person, um, but we only get better at it through practice and then through guidance. I think, yeah. which is why you know mentoring and spiritual direction I think is so important.
0: The book is into the heart of the Father, and it it uh, it lays out uh, an argument and a and an invitation to unite our prayers to the prayer of Christ. Uh, it's a fantastic book. You can get to it on Word Among Us Press. We're going to put a link to it over on our social media, Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. In our extra segment today, we're going to be talking a little bit about this idea of of the fatherhood of God and how we come into the heart of the Father— and what that means for us as fathers, and maybe what that means for those of us who didn't have a great relationship with our father, you can find that over on OutsideTheWalls.com. Click that Patreon link in the top right-hand corner to learn more. We've been talking today with Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo from the University of Notre Dame, the McGrath Institute for Church Life. Dr. DeLorenzo, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: If you missed any part of that conversation, do you want to go back and listen to it again or share it with your friends on social media? All of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. While you're there sharing this episode, consider joining our Patreon support community that helps keep us on the air. Uh, in gratitude each week, we do give away those extra segments. The link is there in the top right-hand corner of the page. It says support the show hyphen Patreon. Well, now let's go ahead and turn our attention to our readings from Scripture and from church history. That's the sound of our Verbum Library launching up. Verbum helps you read Scripture in light of church teaching and church tradition. Uh, They've got a special deal going on right now. You can learn more at verbum.com. Our reading from Scripture today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father loves me, so I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and your joy might be complete. This is my commandment, love one another as I love you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have told you everything I have heard from my Father. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, love one another. That reading comes from the Gospel of John. Now, this is a passage of scripture that I'm fairly familiar with i um back in protestant seminary i I analyzed the Greek. this was my final Greek assignment um and and so you know I'm most of the time when you read this passage you're focused on this recurring word. That John uses a lot in these later chapters. This word remain, or in the translation I was using at the time, abide in my love. Um, but today, in light of the conversation with Dr. DeLorenzo, something different stands out to me. More than his command for us to remain in him, and more than his command that we love one another, is him referring to his relationship with us, the disciples, uh, and in helping us through that relationship to understand his relationship to the father as the father has loved me. So I also love you. Right. It starts there, but it continues. Right. Then he says, um, uh, no, a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. I've called you friends because I've told you everything I have heard from the father. Uh, so he's, he keeps coming back. Whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you all of this is, drawing us into his relationship with the father. We see explicitly him saying that I no longer call you servants. I no longer call you slaves um, because the slave doesn't know what his master is doing. Instead, I've called you friends because I've told you everything I've heard from the father. So we see this transition of relationship, but then he's also tying that relationship to the one that he has with his father. He's drawing us even further in as part of this reconciliation of us to God the Father. And then the other thing that uh, that I love here in this translation, which isn't always obvious in the other translations, is this, this call to remain in his love uh, as he remains in the Father's love, uh, because he has appointed us to go and bear fruit that will remain, right? So not only are we called in in our self, and our person, to remain in him, which we, I think, can do through prayer. But through that, our actions, our fruit, the things that that come out of that life, those things also remain. And so there's a little bit of wordplay going on there. And all of this is summed up in that last command. This I command you, love one another, because to love one another is to to share in the divine life, John later in First uh, John goes so far as to say that uh, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God and God is love. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And so, for him to command us to Jesus to command us to love one another, he's saying participate in this life of God. Um, be really of one nature with God. And we see this kind of as the capstone throughout the New Testament. Uh, In in the book of Colossians, Paul says, above all of these things, put on love, uh, which binds us together. Uh, We we see in uh, 1 Corinthians where he says, um, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so, yes, God is calling us into his life and that life is the life of love. Our reading from Church History today comes from a commentary on the Gospel of John by St. Cyril of Alexandria. The Lord calls himself the vine and those united to him branches in order to teach us how much we shall benefit from our union with him and how important it is for us to remain in his love. By receiving the Holy Spirit, who is the bond of union between us and Christ our Savior, those who are joined to him as branches are to a vine, share in his own nature. On the part of those who come to the vine, their union with him depends upon a deliberate act of the will. On his part, the union is effected by grace. Because we had goodwill, we made the act of faith that brought us to Christ and received from him the dignity of adoptive sonship that made us his own kinsmen. According to the words of St. Paul, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. The prophet Isaiah calls Christ the foundation because it is upon him that we as living and spiritual stones are built into a holy priesthood to be a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. Upon no other foundation than Christ can this temple be built. Here, Christ is teaching the same truth by calling himself the vine, since the vine is the parent of its branches and provides their nourishment. From Christ and in Christ, We have been reborn through the Spirit in order to bear the fruit of life, not the fruit of our old sinful life, but the fruit of a new life founded upon our faith in him and our love for him. Like branches growing from a vine, we now draw our life from Christ and we cling to his holy commandment in order to preserve this life. Eager. To safeguard the blessings of our noble birth, we are careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit who dwells in us and makes us aware of God's presence in us. Let the wisdom of John teach us how we live in Christ, and Christ lives in us. The proof that we are living in him and he is living in us is that he has given us a share in his Spirit just as the trunk of the vine gives its own natural properties to each of its branches, so by bestowing on them the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the only begotten Son of the Father, gives Christians a certain kinship with Himself and with God the Father, because they have been united to Him by faith and determination to do His will in all things. He helps them to grow in love and reverence for God, and teaches them to discern right from wrong, and to act with integrity. That reading comes from a commentary on the Gospel of John by St. Cyril of Alexandria. And St. Cyril is bringing the heat here At the in this last uh, paragraph. He talks about, uh, just as the trunk of the vine gives its own natural properties to each of its branches, so... By bestowing on them the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the Only Begotten Son of the Father, gives Christians a certain kinship with Himself. What does this mean? It means that uh, the not only does the life of the branch come from the vine, but so too does its identity and and its, it, it the reality of what it is. Right, if we're connected to Christ the vine, then our properties are going to flow from the vine. What we're made of is going to flow from the vine. What we look like, what fruit we bear, flows from the vine. So for us, this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, Um, not the gifts, but the fruits of the Holy Spirit, which are, are part and parcel anywhere, anytime that the Holy Spirit is present. And according to the Catechism, the fruits of the Spirit are perfections that the Holy Spirit forms in us. There's that word again, formation forms in us as the first fruits of eternal glory. The tradition of the church lists 12 of them charity, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self control, and chastity. And so if we look at our lives and we don't recognize these fruits of the Spirit, We need to connect ourselves again to the vine because he is only too eager to meet us, to connect with us, to draw us in and subsume us into his relationship with the Father. That our joy may be full and complete as we live as sharers in the divine life. That's all the time we have for today. Today's show is brought to you by Carrie Carlson and Brandy Carey and all those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link and join their numbers. Come be a part of the ongoing conversation on social media, Facebook.com slash Step Outside The Walls. On Twitter, handle the handles Outside The Walls. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you.